I never want to leave the worship. I just wish it could just kind of go on and on. Maybe one day. (laughs) Okay, it's good to see you, church family. Um, Good to see some people back who were away with COVID. Um, Unfortunately, COVID got me in the end, so I'm a little bit croaky, um, but fully recovered. But praying for those of our church family who are still suffering now um, and just praying that they will have a speedy uh, recovery. And just to extend my welcome to those of you on the live stream, because I can see, um, I think some of our church family are poorly, so they may be watching on the live stream this morning. So a good morning to you from all of us here. Now, if you get Mike's email on a Thursday at 5.08 a.m., that's when I get mine, Um, you will know that Mike mentioned that we're starting a little mini-series for the next couple of weeks, and the title of the series is called Deeper. And we've just been, I'll share a bit more next week, but um, a friend of mine recommended a really good book which I read, and it kind of started me on this journey, but I'll share more about that next week. But over the next couple of weeks, we're looking at what it means to grow in Christ... And from a premise of growing in Christ, not just mainly by improving or experiencing um, or adding, but by going deeper. So that's sort of like the platform, if you like, the foundation. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks in one of Paul's prison epistles, uh, his letter to the believers at Colossae. So we're going to have a look at that. If you've got the time over the next week, do have a quick look through that um, letter to the Colossians because it will really, really bless you. In just four chapters, Paul talks about the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he also talks about the centrality of Jesus Christ and what that means for us and our Christian faith. So my prayer over the next couple of weeks is that we take the words of Paul the Apostle, the spiritual giant that he is, and apply them to our lives. And may the scriptures that we study and read over the next couple of weeks, my hope and our hope is that it will enable us to go deeper in our Lord Jesus Christ and have a a real understanding of all that belongs to us as we live with and for Jesus. So that's kind of the backdrop of, of where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Before I do start, I just want us to just pray, if that's okay. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we come to you this morning in complete surrender. And we just pause for a moment. And we enjoy the stillness of your presence, Lord. And as we open your word, we just say, Lord, speak. We're listening. Would you be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you'd like a Bible, there's some people coming around with some Bibles um, at the back there. So just raise your hand and um, they will give you a Bible because we're going to be in the scriptures this morning, um, as we are every week, actually. Yeah. When you get your Bible, the page number is 1183. 
3. That's where we will be reading from. 1183, and I'll probably go over the page to 1184. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15, and then Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Spiritual fullness in Christ. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Identity theft is not a 21st century phenomenon. It happened in the Garden of Eden. And theft is Satan's most well-used tool, if you like. And he has been working from the beginning to steal identity. And he did that with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said to Eve, he told her that if she ate the forbidden fruit, she would be like God. And this is what Satan says, I'll just, in from Genesis chapter three. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The thing is, Eve was already like God. She was made in his likeness and in his image. 
And it's as if for a moment, Eve forgot her real identity as she succumbed to the enemy's trickery. And this is worrying. This is a worrying thought. Because if that happened to Eve, I wonder if it could have, or could do, could happen to us. Now, Paul warns us in the reading that we just read, if you have a look back at verse 8, Paul says these words to us. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Now, when Paul writes this letter to the believers at Colossae, he's writing to correct some really bad false teaching and some doctrinal errors that were going on. They were literally running rampant in the church at the time. So that's why Paul is actually writing. Now, much of this type of teaching can be found today in some modern cults in society today. But Paul had such a passion for people and a passion for Jesus that despite being himself in a really dire situation, he was in a Roman prison at the time when he was writing, he writes to the Colossian believers as one who has been commissioned by God to present the word of God in all its fullness. And Paul says that this fullness is the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and for generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people, and that includes us. This mystery is the unfolding plan for the world. And, and it's the whole, the, the mystery is the, the unfolding plan for the world and the, the plan of redemption for the world. I'll just summarize it like that. And Paul tells us in an earlier verse in the, the reading that we read, he says that this, this mystery is the glorious riches, the amazing hallmark of the new covenant, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. If we look carefully at the reading that I just read, I'm just going to run through a few things just to take note of because Paul is trying to get our attention when he writes these words. You will notice from the reading that he said the words in him and in Christ several times. So at verse 6, Paul tells us to continue to live our lives in him. And in verse 7, he tells us to be rooted and built up in him. And in verse 9, he tells us that the fullness of the deity lives in Christ. And in verse 10, he tells us that we have been brought to fullness in Christ. And finally, in verse 11, he tells us that we have been circumcised in him. Without any doubt, the words in Christ is Paul's favourite way to describe himself and believers. Now, I did a bit of research during the week on this, and Paul uses the words in him, in Christ, and in the beloved more than 160 times in the New Testament. So you think that he's probably trying to, you know, he's, he's, he's speaking to us, isn't he? He's trying to tell us something about our position as believers Paul is continually reminding us that our identity is solely in Christ. 
So if you're a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, then at some point on your Christian journey, you gave your life to Jesus. And I'm sure that all of us who have done that, and those of you listening at home, if you have done that, you can testify to the fact that a change took place. Now, I know, and people that know me and have known me for years, I am radically different to the person that I was before I gave my life to Jesus. We haven't got all week for me to share what I was like, but we'll do that another time. But I am radically changed. And Paul tells us in that very, very famous uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So when we become a Christian, we are no longer that old person. We may slip back and do a few things that look like the old person, but we really are not that person anymore because we have been changed. And personally for me, that scripture is one of the most powerful verses in the, in the entire Bible. Paul is telling us as believers that we have a new identity in Christ. And I think the reason that Paul said it so often, over 160 times, is because Paul knew that once believers really got that, really understood that actually we are in Christ, that something would awaken within us, our desires would be different and our behaviours would be different. So what does um, being in Christ mean for us as Christian believers? Well, when we're saved we, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are united into Christ. We have union with Christ. And basically, the world of Christ opens up to us. And that world looks like a world of, of grace and mercy and blessing and love. That's what the world of Christ looks like. So imagine for a minute that, that you're stuck to Christ, okay? You're stuck, like, imagine, I don't know, two bits of car, two bits of paper, you're stuck to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about stuck with something like a PVA glue. I'm talking about being stuck with, like, Loctite, the super glue, the strongest glue in the world. That's how stuck and in Christ we are. And being united to Christ is a completely new existence. It's a doorway. And Jesus says, I think in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says these words, I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and enjoy pasture. So Christian believers who are in Christ, we have been profoundly connected to Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit absolutely welded to him and God sees us each and every one of us as those who have been joined to him those who have been buried with him and those who have been raised with him and we can really say with confidence I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and he gave himself for me. So the essence of our new life 
ever since that point of welcoming Jesus into our heart, it's completely changed. Our life is no longer ours. Jesus lives his life through us. We now live in union, in oneness, and our new life is empowered by faith in the Son of God who loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And Jesus, I really believe, is calling us, if we have not been awakened to that truth so far, he's calling us to awaken to that truth that we are in Christ and nothing can overpower us because we are in Christ. That's our new identity. And we can learn, we can learn to just focus our awareness on that oneness, on that unity, on that union. It's like the two have become one. And that's what it's like for us as Christian believers. And I really believe that that is the key to going deeper. We can lay aside all the striving. I don't know about you, I am worn out with striving. Absolutely worn out with it. You know, striving to be a better version of yourselves or, you know, maybe none of you feel that. But I know in my lifetime, I've spent more of it striving than not. We don't need to do that because we are in Christ. We can just lay that aside. And we can now look to the person within us into whom we have now been united now, Paul tells the church at Corinth that whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Quite a powerful thing to say. And I, when I was reading and studying and preparing for today, I'm like, how can Paul say that? How can he know? How does he really know that? We can all read the Bible, but how do we really know and know it's true? Oh, we can say it's true. It's, it's the truth. It's the word of God. But one of the ways I think that we can really, really know is if we search the scriptures, because the Lord has given us the answer. He hasn't hidden it from us. It's written in the scriptures for us. Now, many of you will know the story of Saul's conversion on the Damascus Road. So he was Saul and he became Paul. And we find this story in Acts chapter nine. Now, many of you know that Saul was um, obsessed, I would say, fanatical. Um, he had this, he was on a mission, basically, to get rid of Christians by whatever means, methods he wanted to use. Um, he wanted to rid the whole, well, the whole place, wherever he was, of all the men and all the women that followed Christ. He wanted them removed from the earth. And he went to some real, you know, he, he went to the extreme to do that. This same Saul is the guy that was standing by and approving the killing of the disciple Stephen. He even held the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen to death. Now, that's setting the scene of who Saul was. Saul decides to make a trip to go and get rid of more Christians. And he's on a journey heading towards Damascus. And there on the Damascus, Damascus Road, he has a life-transforming experience. And the writer in Acts chapter 9 tells us this. Suddenly, 
a light from heaven flashes all around him. Saul falls to the ground and he hears a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now Saul's response is a question and an answer. He says, who are you, Lord? And his question is met with the following words, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now this short exchange is truly life-changing. And I believe that this is the moment that Paul got a revelation of the believer's true identity. And how can I be sure? Well, when we read in the scriptures that Paul had been complicit and fanatical about killing Christians and getting rid of Christians and anybody following the way, and then here he is on the Damascus Road and he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says those words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And this was more than a light bulb moment for Paul. In an instant, he must have realised that in persecuting the Lord's people, he was persecuting Jesus Christ himself. And I believe that that is the moment that Paul really realised that believers are united in Christ. They are one with Christ. They are in union with Christ. Now, Paul would have known that um, before being united in Christ, every single one of us, we were in Adam. And Paul would have known this. He would have known that we were all in Adam. And what does being in Adam look like? It means that we are stuck in sin, in judgment, and in death. And that's what we deserved, because the wages of sin are death. But God had a rescue plan, and we're gonna be celebrating that rescue plan in a few weeks' time. God sent his son to earth to free the entire human race. And the cross, the cross of Christ, it just really reveals, doesn't it, how really wicked, I suppose, humankind is and was. We took the incarnate son of God and made a crown out of thorns and pressed it on his head. And then we ploughed his back with a scourge. So there were like track marks and flesh and everything was open. We spat in his face and nailed him to a cross. And make no mistake of it, it was my sin and your sin that held him there. Almighty God has taken the cross of crucifixion and he's turned it into an instrument of salvation. So if you have given your heart to Jesus, 
you truly are one with him. There's complete oneness and union. And if you ever feel separate from Jesus, it's a deception. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, nothing. The grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we live out of his strength in this union reality. And the more we tune into the oneness with Jesus and live from there, we will be going deeper into who we really are. And then we will experience Jesus in every single circumstance of our lives. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you identified with us in our sin so that we could identify with you in your righteousness. We thank you that by faith we have been crucified with you, buried with you, and raised into newness of life. We ask, Lord, that you would continually take us deeper into our true identity. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Just before I invite the worship band to join me, Mary, you can come and join me, that's fine. I just, um, I just, you know, if, if, I just think we should pray. I just think we should just stay just at the foot of the cross. We just, just stay at the foot of the cross for a moment. we do just thank you for our new identity in you. We thank you that you came and died such a horrible death and made a way for each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us as orphans. You made us one with you, united with you in oneness. Lord, I ask that you would help us to live that way. With a confidence in who we are and whose we are. Keep taking us deeper into you, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name.